and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, we got a lot to talk about as always. It's time to begin the positional previews. I'll be previewing quarterbacks for fantasy football in 2022. Also giving my third bold take on today's show. And then at the end of the show, everybody or most or many or some, definitely some, know what is coming next week and it's going to be the sfb12 drafts i'm super excited to draft an sfb12 and so is a lot of the fantasy industry so for anybody who's in sfb12 i will be giving some tips for that at the end of the show as well about like seven different things that i think you should keep in mind during your sfb12 drafts having done it last year having learned some lessons from last year and having researched a lot as well i will give you tips from that perspective and hopefully it helps you out in your SFP 12 drafts, which are starting, I guess, July 11th. Most of them would be the slow drafts. You might be in a live draft. And, uh, but I think as this podcast is releasing on Wednesday, the vast majority of drafts will not have happened yet. And so you'll be all set. I'm recording this one on Monday, a couple of days before it drops. Uh, hopefully somebody didn't retire in those two days or get hurt. I don't think so but it's always possible. I have had episodes where I stopped recording and immediately after news drops. And I think that's what, that's what happened. I think last year with the Le'Veon Bell news for the chiefs, I was recording an in-season episode and I talked specifically about Clyde Edwards Delaire on that episode. And then it ended and I saw right after Le'Veon Bell signs with chiefs. So then I became a Le'Veon Bell truther. I think that was actually two seasons ago, not last year, but I became a Le'Veon Bell truther in that season. And that was really embarrassing. And I think eventually I got like my take from October to buy Le'Veon Bell and fantasy got quote tweeted by like this burner that was like taking people's bad takes and putting them back up. And I didn't delete it. I'll own it. That was wrong. Uh, w R O N G. Uh, that was wrong. And it just overall, it was pretty funny, but, um, yeah, that's what happened two seasons ago. But that was like one of the examples that I was giving of like times when, uh, I mean, news drops after the podcast because that's what it likes to do sometimes. I think we've also had, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think maybe the Brady retirement or no, I remember it was the Brady retirement. It wasn't on this show, but I was on the Young Fantasy Mind with Hutchinson Brown. And um, we talked about the Brady retirement and I got my pick correct. I said that Brady was going to retire. And then before the episode dropped, he did. But then later I got it incorrect because he came back, but I was the one, like I had, it was me, Chris and Hutch on that show. And I had gotten it right initially and then became wrong about six weeks later. So anyway, long story short, I hope there's no news that dropped between now and Wednesday. That was kind of a tangent. Let's get back to it. Got bold take first quarterback fantasy preview and then SFB 12 tips. One announcement though, quickly before we get started, and it's a pretty exciting one uh, this Sunday. Tune in channel 87 on Sirius XM. You can tune into fantasy sports radio for an SFB 12 live draft at 3 PM Eastern that I will be participating in along with a bunch of other analysts from the industry. So I'm super excited for this opportunity overall, not sure exactly how it's going to work the show and all, whether any of the like participants will be on as guests or not. I'll probably keep you updated on that on the Twitter, but I haven't received full details of that as of yet, but in super excited to participate in the Sirius XM live division in SFB 12. So that's another way you can prepare. That's when we're going to be one of the first drafts. It's before all the slow drafts start on July 11th. It's Sunday, July 10th, three o'clock on 
uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. So either way, I will be at least participating in that draft. Drafting out of the 10 spot, you'll be able to hear what I actually do. And it's going to be intense because I think, I mean, I, I don't know what the pick clock's going to be, but I don't know. It might be like a 30-second pick clock or something like that where I've got to make big, big decisions quickly. So I'll be putting that to the test on Sunday with a bunch of other awesome analysts in the industry. That's going to be so much fun. So tune in. I think maybe they might end up like replaying it as well. I know on fantasy sports radio, they sometimes replay segments later on and upcoming later in the day or upcoming days. But if you don't want to miss it, tune in at three o'clock Eastern on Sunday and you'll hear the SFB 12 Scott fishbowl, 12 live draft. Um, on Sirius XM channel 87 fantasy sports radio. So that's a fun opportunity. And so, yeah, be sure to tune in if you can. So yeah, now let's get into it. Bull take QBs, SFB 12 tips. For those of you who don't know what SFB 12 is, scottfishbowl.com. You can find out all about it. Big fantasy league, all for charity, of course, and which is excellent. And it's raised so much money for charity to help so many people out, um, which is truly amazing. So, I mean, that's really the center central part of the league anyway is growing interest in the league and growing um like positive sentiment around the league is really just with the end goal of getting as many donations as possible and helping as many people as possible through fantasy cares and through sfb12 so it's pretty awesome you should go check it out not much time left to be able to get into it because it starts in like a week but if you want to sign up i mean and then sign up next year too then maybe I'll have a shot. So feel free to obviously do that. Scottfishbull.com if, if that's where you're looking and it's a lot of fun. So let's get into the episode, starting off with the bold take. Bold take number three here. Um, and I've done a lot of ones on wide receivers. I've uh, This is my third straight one on wide receiver or for on wide receivers um, for the third straight bold take that I've done on a wide receiver because I have a lot of hot takes about them. So let's talk about somebody this time who's way, way down the board. And it's Christian Watson at the wide receiver 70. He is basically being undrafted and redrafted in half PPR right now. Wide receiver 70. So you can get him for free. Absolutely. And I don't understand it. Early second round pick. I don't understand how with all the yard after catch ability that he has, the speed, just the athleticism, the freak of nature ability that he has. And he's paired with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best QBs to ever play the game, coming off with back-to-back MVP seasons with his number one receiver, Devontae Adams, exiting the team to L.A. And Christian Watson's the only guy they brought in to replace him in the early second round as a rookie. And you're telling me that this guy is at... The wide receiver 70 with that upside. It is insanity to see Christian Watson this low. And I will acknowledge that he has a lot of risk. He's a rookie. But a guy with top 12 upside, top 10 upside, top 8 upside, whatever number you want to throw out there, Christian Watson has it. Because we know his ability to do things on the football field. If he's not able to translate from Division 2, so what? Because you're not wasting any draft capital on this guy. But the opportunity with the best quarterback in the league and the skills he has to elevate himself to wide receiver one status in his rookie year is really there, but you don't even have to predict wide receiver one status to get a bold take. You don't even have to rely on wide receiver one status or wide receiver two status or wide receiver three or wide receiver four or wide receiver five or wide receiver six status to have something to still be able to get value on Christian Watson, because right now he's going as the back end wide receiver six. If he returns value there, perfect. If he doesn't, that's basically nothing. You can drop him anyway. He'll be drafted in the last round in fantasy football drafts. But 
I will guarantee that Christian Watson is going to be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. And I know it's risky, so maybe I won't actually guarantee it, but that is the bold take. Christian Watson will be a top 36 fantasy receiver next year. And his upside is just so high that you have to go after him. He is behind guys like Sterling Shepard, Marvin Jones, Jamison Crowder, Jahan Dotson, Robbie Anderson, McCole Hardman, McCole Hardman. He's six spots behind McCole Hardman, who the whole reason you're even drafting McCole Hardman is because of his ties to Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? Juju Smith-Schuster is there. Travis Kelsey's there to take targets. McCole Hardman is not the number one on his team. Christian Watson is at worst the number two receiver. They have, may, I mean, maybe number three with Robert Tunyon, but they have Alan Lazard. They have Robert Tunyon. Neither of these guys have been dominant. Neither of these guys have been dominant in their roles. And so Christian Watson, even if he is the third option on in the offense in terms of targets, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball enough to where he's still going to be productive, but he could easily be the wide receiver one here. And McCole Hardman, who's basically just a speedster tied to Patrick Mahomes, is going higher than this second round rookie with so much upside. It's unbelievable. Christian Watson is an electric player on the field and being tied to one of the best quarterbacks in the game, maybe the best quarterback in the game coming off of back-to-back MVPs, easy pick, top 36 receiver. And I don't care what the ranking says. Christian Watson has top 12 upside. He does, plain and simple, period, end of sentence. Top 12 upside for Christian Watson, but I'm going to guarantee he's going to be top 36 next year and help you out for fantasy football. So bring in the heat once again. Now, Oh my gosh, wide receiver 70. That is crazy. Alan Lazard is the wide receiver 45. But I I mean, sure, I don't necessarily hate saying Alan Lazard's going to finish higher than Christian Watson just because Alan Lazard's been there. But how are they not like at least even? Because Christian Watson clearly has the higher amount of upside. That makes me take Christian Watson over Alan Lazard all day. Just because when you get to the late rounds and wide receivers, you don't just want a guy like Alan Lazard who's locked in to be a top 50, top 60 guy. You want a guy who's going to exceed expectations and maybe win you your league. Christian Watson should be going over Alan Lazard in every draft, and he is 25 spots behind him. So interesting. Anyway, let's move on to QBs. Got a lot to talk about. And before I get into the QBs, of course, got to make the speech because it's the QB preview. And that's the early round QB strategy is not the way to go in single quarterback redraft leagues. No point in locking up a guy and drafting him for his fantasy football ceiling when you are able to take late round quarterbacks in the late round that have a very high hit rate that fantasy analysts have gotten better and better at analyzing and finding the next breakout where you can get them out of the late round. They're not going to cost you anything, so it's not going to be bad if they bust and they have a really high chance of exceeding expectations and becoming elite. That's because, like, I mean, all of these guys at the very top of the quarterback list, Josh Allen was once a late round quarterback. I mean, maybe not super late round for him specifically, but he was in the back end QB one kind of range. Justin Herbert was not being drafted when he burst onto the scene. Patrick Mahomes, also a late round quarterback. Lamar Jackson, late round. Kyler Murray, late round. Jalen Hurts, late round. Joe Burrow, even Joe Burrow was a late round. He was doing really well until he got hurt in his rookie year. Tom Brady, no one even remembers. But like the point being, these guys at the top, they all were once late round quarterbacks. And listen to those names too. These are all young, talented guys that we saw come into the league. And so if you see a good player in a good situation who could potentially step up, it is a very high hit rate because we've had a couple of these guys per year. Like, I mean, I can't remember the last time we didn't have a year in which at least one late round quarterback didn't go crazy. Last year, Jalen Hurts really did it for you. Like a few years ago, I mean, it's been like guys like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Like I can't remember the exact years on all of them, but Mahomes, Allen, Burrow once again. I mean, we've had these guys every year. Aaron Rodgers did it once, even later in his career when he stepped it up. Uh, Russell Wilson, certainly. And then guys like that this year, Trey Lance. 
Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, guys with rushing upside that you can target for that. More consistent guys who are getting a weapon added. Derek Carr. Uh, I mean, other guys like that. Maybe, maybe even Matt Ryan, if you need it. Tua, Tagovailoa, he's got a good situation. All of those guys were ranked outside of the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks that I just named. All of them. Why spend the capital on a starting caliber ranked QB when the QB position is so deep and you can get a guy later? I don't know. Why draft a guy like Justin Herbert at the quarterback two when his ceiling is the quarterback two? I don't know. Go for late round guys. Now, if you're just going to ignore all that, I'll still list the quarterbacks. Go, go through them as Fantasy Pros has them ranked and tell you my analysis for next year. And let's start with Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. We know his dual threat ability, cannon of an arm, a physical running in play style. He remains as the QB one probably for me next year just because of that rushing ability and his ability to get goal line touchdowns, which is really unmatched in the NFL at the moment. He can do it all. He stepped up in passing immensely when Stephon Diggs came over, and he's going to continue to do that. He's the QB one. Guys, there's a few guys who I think could compete for the QB2 spot. I think guys like Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson are very close. For Herbert, we saw the second-year breakout. Many are betting on, I mean, again, he's got a little bit of sneaky rushing upside and betting maybe even on an ascension here in year three for Justin Herbert. Patrick Mahomes, obviously elite, one of the best QBs in the league, just consistently dominant and chucks the ball deep and throws for a ton of yards. Then Lamar Jackson, the guy with a ton of rushing upside but inconsistent passing ability. We've seen Lamar Jackson, though, put up stretches of fantasy dominance before clearly the QB won just a couple of years ago. And I mean, he's regressed. He's had inconsistency, but more often than not, Lamar Jackson's getting you elite fantasy numbers at the position. So those guys are all close up there, kind of in that tier together. Then other interesting players, Kyler Murray at quarterback five for Arizona. Of course, we know he can run the ball. It's going to put a damper on his status though, without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of the season, most likely. So Kyler might go off to a slow start. Maybe a guy, you probably don't want to go after him in drafts because I think for quarterback, you just want to kind of stream them, go after the late round guys who can help you early in the season and piece it together from there is really the winning strategy for them. But he might have a difficult start to the season, but again, he's put up elite numbers as well. So he's a little bit risky, but a high upside option. Same with Jalen Hurts. And I really like Jalen Hurts next year at the quarterback six, maybe the first guy I would really consider taking at quarterback if he slips a lot in single QB league because he's shown the rushing upside and that's gotten him great fantasy games, but just added an elite receiver in AJ Brown. And I'm expecting a year two jump from Devonte Smith as well. I really like this Phillies off or Philly's Philly offense. And so that's why I like Jalen Hurts at the quarterback six. Um, after that, Joe Burrow at the quarterback seven. Not bad. Again, just feels like a guy you're drafting at ceiling, especially since he doesn't have a ton of rushing upside. I don't see him being a top five or at least a top three quarterback next year. Tom Brady at the quarterback eight. This is, I mean, that's fine with me. I mean, quarterback eight, you start getting into the seventh or eighth rounds, maybe start taking some shots. But again, I just feel like it's wanting to have that positional like reassurance to yourself in a way rather than actually producing significant fantasy value over the guys later. But Tom Brady's put up elite production and he's still got some great receivers over there. Dak at quarterback nine, he's interesting. And I'm a little worried about Dak, which is, I, that's why I like this quarterback nine ranking. He's been dropped a little bit because without Amari Cooper, it might be more difficult for him to produce. We saw without his top three receivers last year versus with Dak Prescott's splits were immensely different. He was elite with his top three guys without them. He was maybe a little bit inconsistent. He's got some rushing upside. I'm, I mean, quarterback nine, if he slips in drafts, this is the range where you kind of get to the guys who are very similar, but, and then it's the, if he slips in drafts, maybe you go snatch him up to lock up the position. Like a guy like Russell Wilson at quarterback 10, new scenario in Denver, 
Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are a couple of solid receivers. And I think he's got a better like offensive line and running back cast around him as well. Matthew Stafford at quarterback 11. Again, like, I mean, he put up some nice numbers last year. Pick numbers were a little bit high. So if you're in a league that hurts you for interceptions a lot, maybe avoid him a little more. But he threw for a lot of touchdowns and, of course, will feed Cooper Cup. And having that elite receiver just gives you fantasy consistency. And then to wrap up the quarterback one tier, it's Aaron Rodgers um, at quarterback 12. I actually think Aaron Rodgers could go ahead of guys such as Matthew Stafford or maybe Russell Wilson. I don't know if the Adams departure is going to hurt Rodgers as much as it will hurt Adams. Adams is still with a decent QB and Derek Carr, so I think he'll be okay. But Rodgers has been creating great receivers throughout his career. And Devontae Adams is still great. But Rodgers certainly elevated him. And Rodgers won't make mistakes, but also will make crazy throws that other QBs can't, which is just a ridiculous combination. So he'll be solid at the back end there. And at quarterback 12, I mean, that's the guy I might drop in drafts. Grab Aaron Rodgers, maybe a consistent guy who we know is going to throw some for a lot of yards. Pair him with a guy like Trey Lance or a guy like Justin Fields who has some upside. So again, outside of that top 12 tier, you got QB 13, Trey Lance, who has a ton of rushing upside. Good guy to take a shot on. Derek Carr, QB 14, just got a new weapon. Take a shot on him because he's pretty much free. Kirk Cousins, quarterback 15. I mean, there's no need to draft him because there's usually going to be similar guys on the waiver wire throughout the year, just consistent low tier streaming guys that you can find. But I mean, sure, pair Kirk Cousins with an upside QB in the later rounds. Justin Fields. He's in a terrible kind of situation with not very many weapons in the with the Bears, but at least he can run the ball a lot. Tua Tagovailoa, they just added Tyreek Hill over there, Jalen Waddle. He's got a ton of weapons and a new head coach in Mike McDaniel. Trevor Lawrence, um, a quarterback 18. They just added Christian Kirk, new coaching staff, and we know he can run the ball a little. But the point here is that you can find upside scenarios for like all of these guys. And what's the downside of drafting a guy in the quarterback 13 to any 18 range? Just any guy. You lost a 12th round pick. You lost a 15th round pick. So what? You're just going to be replacing most of these guys off the waiver wire anyway, because it's a high risk proposition for a lot of these guys in later rounds. But these quarterbacks really do have realistic possibilities of ascending. Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. That's kind of an icky tier. Um, that's really where you get to the spot where you're not even drafting these guys because the top like six people in the league who drafted quarterbacks, like the first six quarterbacks probably don't think they need a quarterback too, which they're right. And then the other got people drafted too. And then you're kind of in this range where these guys sit on the waiver wire, but even a guy like Matt Ryan with the Colts could put up streamable stuff against good matchups through the upcoming season. You can match up like guys like Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill, even guys who are like that low tier and be just fine because they have been known to be solid matchup plays when the time is right. Even guys like beyond being outside of the draft, Daniel Jones is a guy you can keep an eye on. Carson Wentz, they just added a few weapons there, including Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel coming back. They extended McLaurin. That's huge for Washington. But like Daniel Jones, the quarterback 24, he's not going to be drafted in any drafts. Carson Wentz, the quarterback 25, not likely either. Kenny Pickett, quarterback 33, I mean, way down the board. But again, he's a rookie and he's got a lot of upside. It's just uh, like, I don't know. He might not start week one, unfortunately, instead of like Mitch Trubisky might start. So maybe just a guy to watch on the waiver wire, put him on your watch list. And if Mitch Trubisky gets benched, maybe look at him. But he's so far down and the quarterback depth is like good enough anyway, to where you may not need to worry about that. But overall, late round quarterback strategy, that's how you do it. That's really how I feel about most of the QBs. I don't really mind very many of the rankings. I think I'll name a couple guys like I think Joe Burrow and is a guy that and Justin Herbert are guys that are kind of being ranked at their ceiling mostly that are are guys I especially would not want to take shots on early like generally I'm not going to take shots on guys early those are the two I'm most avoiding later on I generally will take shots but the guys I like most 
Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, maybe a guy like Derek Carr, and even Aaron Rodgers at quarterback 12. So that's pretty much it for my quarterback thoughts. If you have any other questions, tag me at Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter, DM me, whatever. Let's get into those SFB 12 tips for the drafts. Seven tips. And the first, it's easy. I mean, well, the first is sign up and get in, obviously. But say you're in. First, read the settings. Read the settings because SFB 12 might be like a league you haven't played in ever. Or it might not be like any league you've played in before because it's like unique scoring. And I like the scoring a lot, but it's very unique. First, big setting, super flex league. It means you're going to be able to flex the quarterback at if you want to. The roster spots are like the starting spots are as follows. You got one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, four, um, four flex spots. So you get three flex and one super flex. You do not have to flex a quarterback, but trust me as someone who had to deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick going down and Zach Wilson sucking, you probably want a good second quarterback in SFB 12, whether that means taking multiple shots on guys later, or maybe locking up a couple good QBs early. Don't reach, but keep an eye on that because it's hard when you don't have a good consistent second quarterback. It's not impossible, but it's hard to consistently be really good in SFB. So there's that. Again, with the big starting requirements, you're going to have to be scrounging sometimes. One interesting quirk, you can flex kickers. Kickers are actually even a little better in SFB than they are in other leagues because you get one point for a made field goal, one point for a made extra point, and then decimal scoring for field goals. So basically you get like an extra point for each field goal beyond like the decimal scoring. So if you hit the 54 yarder, you got 5.4 plus one, 6.4 points, and you kickers can't lose points by missing field goals either. That's a big change. So they could be good, consistent flex options. So this one is the only setting that's really going to depend on where you play because there are two platforms for leagues. There's my fantasy league and sleeper, my fantasy league. You don't have to flex a kicker, but sleeper doesn't have the option to throw in like a kicker optional flex. So you actually will have two flex, one super flex and one kicker flex spot, which is interesting because I think it limits your upside a little bit, but in general, it's going to be fine because kickers are buffed for the most part in this to where most people most people's kickers will be better than their 11th best player on the roster. So it will for the most part be worth it to flex kickers anyway. So it's not like you're losing a ton of fantasy points, unless you just have an elite team all around, then maybe you're being capped a little bit if you're on sleeper. But other than that, you're going to be all right, but keep an eye out for kickers later because you might think, Oh, let me go draft kickers. Let's wait till a little bit later because that may not be accurate. You actually shouldn't draft kickers and it's interesting. There's a different strategy you should take to approach kickers, but there's that uh, point per for one half point per first down one half point per reception for this league. That, that's really what that does. That ends up balancing running backs and wide receivers a lot to where like running backs aren't too great. Wide receivers aren't too great. They're pretty balanced overall. So really drafting for value in those positions is smart quarterback. It's minus four for an interception. And if you, and there's also completion percentage of bonuses. So if you throw an incomplete pass, you lose a point. If you get a completion, you get a half point. So basically for a quarterback to gain points on this, they have to be over 66.6% in completion percentages. So 
those are a lot of settings. I will go into the ones that are more important later. And I have a couple in particular that you should keep an eye on, including that one, actually. So like the, and how that changes, how you approach your draft. So let's go into the next tip. Like I said, value is king. The SFB scoring is known for being very, very balanced. Always has been. It seems like, I mean, you can go for running backs and wide receivers pretty much equally. Sometimes tight ends drop. Sometimes people want to secure them early. Wait for value. Quarterbacks, you can get a. Sometimes you get that quarterback to fall early. Sometimes it sets it up. I like grabbing a couple quarterbacks early if I can, or at least one guy early. But sometimes those running back and wide receiver values get really crazy, and I just want to go for that. So that's just a general principle: is value based drafting in SFB is king. The people who have had the success, and I, I mean, I've had been in these group chats as well from my first year doing it and seen this success that people had just going with a purely value-based approach with smart, rational picks. Draft rookies is the next pick. And this is one that you actually do not hear often, which is crazy because drafting rookies is one of the keys to winning the SFB. It's Scott Fishbowl. So why? Why? First, let's start with the data. If you, I don't actually have the data for last year, but I remember seeing specifically Ryan McDowell, who also runs the Scott Fishbowl, tweeted out about SFB X, the like SFB 10, SFB X, um, which was two years ago, that out of the 20 teams that made the finals in SFB X, they had an average of four rookies per roster. That is mind boggling. Four rookies. And why is that? Well, it's because rookies go consistently undervalued in redraft. You Did you hear, like, why, why do you think two of my first three bold takes were about rookies, rookie wide receivers? Because they're ranked low. They are ranked close to their floors. Do we really think Christian Watson's going to finish below the wide receiver 70? No. He, go grab Christian Watson. Please draft Christian Watson in SFB. Because if you're going for high upside, which is also one of the keys that I didn't actually put down, but high upside is going to win you this because there's so many teams in it that you really have to stand out from the pack. Grab Christian Watson later on and take shots on guys like that later. Don't play it safe. Play it aggressive. Traylon Burks as well. Yes, wide receiver 41. Maybe he doesn't finish too great, but he could be elite with the opportunity that he's got currently. Some rookies are better values than others. Those are two of my favorites. But in general, grab rookies. Make sure you're getting the value on those because they tend to actually very much help your team in SFB, especially later on in the season when you need it in the playoffs. If my the rest of my team had stepped up a little more, I mean, having Jamar Chase and Elijah Moore, that was ridiculous. And that really started having me rack up some massive amount of points in a few weeks when I had that Burrow Chase stack, picked up Elijah Moore. Also had, uh, I'm trying to remember who else I had on my team that was a rookie. Um, I don't remember. I did draft a couple other guys. But like basically those guys will end up helping you out. And I remember coming out of that year feeling like, wow, dra me drafting rookies, that was very successful. Very, very successful overall. So draft rookies in SFB. And that one's not as widely circulated, that tip for some reason. I don't know why. It's pretty obvious in my opinion. Next up, QB rushing ability matters, but it is not all consuming. The Konami code QBs like who can run for the a lot of yards are going to be great. But you have to have a good really completion percentage to be awesome. Like you basically with those stats that I told you about earlier, you will get points if you're over 66.6% in completion percentage and lose points if you're under that. So you want to get guys who complete a high volume of passes like Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers can do that too. look up completion percentage statistics and keep that in mind, because if you're trying to draft a guy like Trey Lance in this format, do we know that Trey Lance's completion percentage is going to be very stable? Maybe not. And you can lose points on that. You can end up losing a good amount of points on that. So Trey Lance 
He can be good. Take him later, but don't act like his rushing ability is going to carry him to a title. And that's another one of the things people like about this league is that rushing quarterbacks aren't insane. Like there is value on taking like a Tom Brady over a Jalen Hurts potentially. That might be a decision you come up against in the first round. And that's a close decision, but maybe go after a Brady and watch for those guys falling because some people aren't going to be entirely used to that. So you want to target a guy like Tom Brady sometimes. Uh, even though he doesn't have a ton of rushing upside because Tom Brady actually was the quarterback one in this format last year, just because of that. And I don't think he's going to put up the numbers he put up last year again, because those were kind of crazy, but even so he could be a top five or top three QB next year for sure. Just because of that completion percentage matters, uh, rushing ability is still important, but not all consuming. Now here's a kind of personal tip for me that I don't have like a ton of evidence to back up. Let others hog the tight ends. It's always annoying in the drafts, in the mock drafts. People will stack tight ends to take advantage of the tight end premium, which gives you an extra half point per reception, extra half point per first down. People will draft tight ends at the one-two turn. I'm not going to do that if people are doing that. It seems like there's one person in every league who is going to take tight ends there. And the reason I'm not doing that is just because that's at their ceiling. You're drafting them at what you hope they're going to be with these elite top tier running backs and quarterbacks. You hope that the tight end is going to replicate that production. But tight ends don't have the huge ceiling that the wide, the guy like the wide receiver one will have. And yet tight ends, even the very top guys have gone in that range before in SFB, like Travis Kelsey. So sure, it's a good safe pick. And if these tight ends fall for you, Go ahead and take them. And again, my stim standard still applies that you should either take an elite tight end or punt the position because the middle round is such a dumpster fire and maybe takes a, a, the only thing different here is take shots on a couple of guys late for SFB because you do want to have good tight ends and you probably want to target like elite guys if you can. Like I'm not saying avoid tight ends, but there's going to be one guy in most leagues who takes like two or three tight ends and hogs them all. Let them do that. Don't take, don't be forced into taking Dallas Goddard because the guy hogged all the tight ends. Like just do what you were going to do. Don't panic because somebody's stealing everybody from you. And injuries happen. George Kittle, Darren Waller, underperformance happens, TJ Hawkinson. But sometimes you can get a good value on tight ends. Like I was sitting in the fifth round, 503 last year in SFB, and I saw Mark Andrews had dropped and he dropped just a little bit, not a crazy amount. I mean, it was a pretty good drop. And so I was like, wait a second, let me go grab Mark Andrews here at the 503 because he seems like a very safe player who will like has been safe in the elite tier for a little bit and guess what he actually became the tight end one so that helped me out a lot and yeah when mark andrews went off it was pretty crazy in terms of fantasy points so keep that in mind for sure just don't reach on players and if somebody's taking three tight ends and somebody else has taken three tight ends in your league which did happen in a mock draft they got like the first six tight ends i decided to punt the position and not go after one until much later so that's just a personal tip. I mean, you can, I think there is some justification to taking tight ends early because of that uh, a positional advantage, but at the same time, sometimes it's just not worth it. If somebody else is just going to fight you like to the death for it. And for what it's worth that, I guess my only evidence for it is the guy who took tight end at the one, two turn last year in my league finished last and was one of the lowest scoring and teams in the entire league. So that's not proof, but that's one anecdote, but you know, so let's get to kickers. Don't draft kickers. In sleeper, they're probably going to make you draft one kicker. Draft them in the last round. Stream kickers. Why, you ask? Well, it's because of positional variance. Stream kickers. I don't say, I'm not saying don't roster kickers. Um, I'm saying, I'm, I'm not saying don't roster kickers. I'm saying to stream them, pick them up during the season, because that's the way you're going to target them. Just because the variance is so high in, on them for SFB 12, 
and, and just in general, Jeff Bell tweeted out on Twitter, like the uh, eliminating negative scoring for kickers that makes them interesting for sure. And that means like, they're going to have some, a lot of upside, but the fact is you should not be drafting kickers because let's look at the kicker finish versus ADP for SFB last year. Young way was the number one kicker. He finished 17. Justin Tucker, the kicker two, finished one. Harrison Butker, three and 10. Greg Zerline, four and 15. Jason Sanders, five and 24. Tyler Bass, six and 12. Tucker McCann, seven, and he wasn't even drafted. Rodrigo Blankenship, eight and 33. Ryan Suckoff, nine and 18. Will Lutz, 10 and not ranked. Or I guess, or I guess Tucker McCann and Will Lutz, they did not put up numbers. They were just, they just ended up not being ranked. Um, so, they, but they were drafted high. Daniel Carlson, 11 and four. Jason Myers, 12 and six, 26. Austin Seibert, 13 and 32. Dustin Hopkins, 14 and nine. Matt Gay, 15 and three. Those are ADPs and finishes in the order that I listed them. As you can see, it's almost impossible to just hit on a kicker in the top who's going to finish in the top. You're almost just as likely to get that just by playing the waiver wire. And the good part about that is after week one, you can see a couple of kickers who have been good. After a few weeks through the season, you can see them, pick them up and start them with confidence after that. That's how you do it. You don't draft them. You stream them. Do not reach on a guy who may not even finish that high just because the variance is so high. Don't draft kickers. Stream kickers. Last piece of advice. And I mean, I've told you going for upside, always important to try to win this. If you want to win, upside is huge just because there's so many teams. You got to try to have the perfect team and take tons of shots late round. But just have fun. Have fun and take the players you like. That's the beauty of it. I loved taking all of my favorite players last year in this draft because those are the guys that I attached my heart and soul to. And those are the guys I want to get. If you have a favorite team and I mean, you have some justification for going after a guy, go ahead with that Homer pick because it's about having fun and it's about raising money for charity. Obviously you want to present good competition you want to try to, I mean, most people want to try to win. Don't like be annoying and just like not try at all, obviously. But I mean, it's not that serious at the end of the day. I mean, it is a prestigious fantasy league, a ton of people in it, the best analysts in the industry, but at the same time, it is for fun and for charity. And so be sure you're not just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone has researched SFB so much that they just didn't have fun with it anymore, but draft the guys you like. It's, it makes it a lot more fun that way. When I go get, when I went to get Kenny Galladay late round, even though he messed me up and it was fine though. Cause I got Jamar chase and I really balanced it out on the way to a mediocre seven and six season. But at the same time, like getting a guy you like and seeing him break out is awesome. Imagine if the guy you likes on another team and you're like, wow, for SFB, which might be the most important league I'm in. I just let him get on the other team. I mean, get the guys you like, get the guys you'll have fun rostering week to week. And just have fun with it overall. So that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF, the podcast at SGF pod. If you don't already, good luck in SFB 12 if you're in it. If not, good luck in getting in in a future year. Hope that bold take and analysis for quarterbacks and SFB helped you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys. Oh, and lastly, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Channel 87. Last reminder, tune in on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time.